Every day, our world gets a little more connected, but a little further apart. But then, there are moments that remind us to be more human. Thank you for calling Amica Insurance. Hey, uh, I was just in an accident. Don't worry, we'll get you taken care of. At Amica, we understand that looking out for each other isn't new or groundbreaking. It's human. Amica, empathy is our best policy. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Wednesday night edition of the pod tonight. Got a lot to get to. Most importantly, we want to talk about whether some of these surprise teams so far are for real few teams of surprise like indiana with a great win on the road in cleveland tonight at least it used to be a great win i don't know whether it still counts anymore with the Cavs in their current state but we'll talk a little bit about that game talk about orlando a surprise team as well winning at memphis danny was able to catch some of that one those same memphis grizzlies as well we're going to talk about as whether they are for real with they've had some great wins as well detroit after they beat the clippers and golden state on a back-to-back on a west coast trip did lose then to the lakers the other night but they are five and three and then boston a team that we really feared for after the gordon hayward injury now six and one since opening night we're sponsored today by stamps.com use that cap space code and you can take advantage of their special offer that includes a four-week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitments good evening my friend here at uh 1203 a.m on the west coast and for once actually it was your fault that we're starting so late instead of me yeah i mean for a couple of different reasons it was my fault i mean you were nice enough to come to the first book signing for uh for my book which was i much appreciated it was a lot of fun great to do that and also i was a little bit later doing this because i actually took a, a very brief nap before we before we got going and this was it was kind of an interesting night of basketball because we had planned to do are they for real before i even really thought about how many of those teams were in action tonight yeah and sadly it wasn't time to panic because uh the cats would certainly be discussed <laughs> in that one let's get some news real quick here first not a ton but uh, Jaleel okafor saying in the media that he wants a buyout that keith pompey saying perhaps the celtics might be interested in him and okafor basically repeating the contents of his conversation with brian colangelo colangelo said yeah you know we can't just give you away for free though and so it seems like really because to me at this point oak for making that five million dollar salary it's probably would be better if they had just given him away for free because then they could use that extra money to renegotiate and extend robert covington so you know i mean what, what do you think the sixers have been asking for i mean clearly they're asking for a lot around this time last year but now that it's gotten to the point especially where his option has been declined i mean who's going to trade for him i mean thinking because no team that like wants to win this year is going to trade for oak for right you're doing it as a value play to try to get him up to speed offensively and then hope that his defense can improve but he's not going to be a positive player for a winning team this season it's more he's more of a prospect type of guy and so i mean are they holding out for like an okay second round pick they still want a first they're not getting that i don't even think they're going to get an okay second so at this point i would just give him his wish and either trade him for nothing or, or release him if he's maybe this is just trying to strong arm him so he'll give more money back in the buyout it could very well be that and once you've made it this far without getting an offer that's to your liking that means whether or not you're 
your asking price was too high. I think they should be ready to move on. And you brought up the point about having more money to pay Robert Covington. That is certainly true. However, that could also be motivation for him to, or motivation to come to a deal in terms of just him giving back a little bit of his salary because you probably don't want to burn that whole five million on Covington because only 40% of that can be reduced in future years for specifically for yeah. 2018 when they want to do space. They could get creative there too. Sure. I mean, we were talking about this a little bit on, on our G chat. Sorry, like maybe what you do is you give him more money and over three years and then you make the fourth year non-guaranteed you know you could do yeah, true. something along those lines to where you have so much more flexibility if you can throw an extra six million five million bucks onto yeah, that that's- bonus payment this year essentially so um but i mean i feel like they're being a little bit unfair to oak for at this point do you feel that i way? absolutely do and especially because they're not giving him any time i mean even right now with rashawn holmes being out basically it took and beat also not playing for oak to even get on the floor so it's hard to expect that his value is going to get any higher and now teams know that the Sixers do not have much in leverage and this you know when you consider that Orleans Noel was a much better player when they traded him and really what they got back was was fairly hollow I mean they did get back a decent a decent second from the Mavericks in that deal but Okafor's value is so much lower right now and they don't need him so why are they holding out for something they're never going to get well and it's not like uh, they didn't learn their lesson at like how much lower his trade value has gotten the longer they wait I mean, and now they've declined his option really I think his trade value potentially is even lower and they declined that option because they didn't want to be stuck with him for next season with a, a guaranteed contract but that also reduced his trade value but when another team could have traded for him and exercised the option they chose not to do so so clearly there isn't a team that values him enough to trade for him and to decline the option it's like either trade him or let him go before you have to decline the option now he's he's worth even less in a trade and he made the point and he's i think he's absolutely correct that you know they think they're getting something and and john his agent are like and it's funny when a player would say this but they're like i'm not worth anything in a trade right now it's basically basically what he said like they got to get it through their thick skulls and i'm not worth anything in a trade right now uh and just let me go one thing that i've noticed in some of the reporting that's been out there has been discussion about boston being a team that could he could go to partially because they've been interested in him in the past and they do have that money which they theoretically could use for the disabled player exception or they could just get him for the minimum if he gets bought out but boston has an overstuffed rotation if i were him unless they make some sort of commitment which i would be very surprised to see danny inch do considering all the circumstances here I would be looking more for a team that had minutes to burn than anything else, because even if a team is committed to you, they've already started to establish their rotations and everything like that. If you could pick the team to go to, if you were him, who would it be? Brooklyn. Just you, you could. Yeah. Yeah. I think I mean, that's right. Brooklyn, it seems, especially because they are interested in developing guys. They don't really care about defense that much. He could run a lot of pick and roll with D'Angelo Russell. That'd be hilarious if the, the two guys two years later that they're trying to decide the Lakers are trying to decide between in the 2015 draft both ended up on the nets um but yeah I, I think that seems right phoenix might be another one but phoenix really i think has more mouths to feed than brooklyn does necessarily well and especially if they're gonna dabble with dragon bender playing the five you know they have they have guys that have that have stock whereas especially you know if jared allen when whenever he's missing time brooklyn is just basically trying to find guys that can work so jaws totally fine to be there yeah but other than that really uh, not a ton of options so you want to talk about tonight's games a little bit, and then maybe we can use them as a prism to transition into our discussion topic today of whether some of these surprise teams are for real? Well, one thing that is that is for real is Cleveland struggles defending the pick and roll. I mean, I thought that was my biggest takeaway for the portions of Indiana-Cleveland that I watched was 
yes, full credit, Sabonis has looked a lot better this year than before, and Collison has had a few nice games too, but Cleveland made those guys, and to a lesser extent, a lot of the other players on the Pacers look absolutely fantastic offensively in this game. Yeah, it's just, where's the defense going to come from now, right? They Tristan Thompson only played 15 minutes, then suffered a calf strain and left the arena on crutches. You have to imagine it'll be at least a couple of weeks before he is able to return the biggest thing that worries me people have been talking about the cleveland defense and yeah you know it's not great in the regular season and there's no reason they should be that much worse than last year other than everyone just kind of being a year older and a year lazier and playing more of love at center as well I'm more concerned about the Cavaliers' offense because even when their defense was so bad last year, they still were able to light teams up. And this is another awful three-point shooting game on the season. They're about 34%, which is not as bad as I anticipated, but every game that I watch them, they shoot terribly. Seven out of 31. In this one, J.R. Smith is shooting 17% from three, even in a starting role. Rose doesn't take any threes. Wade doesn't take any threes. Jay Crowder missed all five of his three-point attempts today. LeBron is really the only guy shooting well from three he's at 40 percent and Corver obviously too he's, he's over 50 percent so far this year so they don't really have that explosiveness they don't just feel like there's this overwhelming tide of three-pointer after three-pointer waiting to come even though James was excellent in this game with 33 points on 14 to 22 and 11 assists you just didn't really get that feeling that the dam is about to break as you do in so many of these Cavs games. To your point, the Cavs are only scoring 106 points per 100 possessions with LeBron on the floor. And LeBron has been very good this year overall by himself. I mean, <laughs> yeah, although he did just have two games in a row under 20 points, which I think has only happened like 20 times or so in his career, the Pacers broadcast was saying, and, and he's coming off that ankle injury, not going to be as effective. He had eight turnovers it's in true. this one too. Uh, and I think a lot of that is due to the lack of spacing. Um, but so, so, so where I want know, to go with yeah. the 106 is it's yeah. early in the season, but a 106 offensive rating is not particularly dominant. That would have been last year would have been league average just about. And if their defense is not going to be elite, the way they're going to win games, even in the playoffs, is going to be scoring a ton and then having enough defense to win. It's not going to be the other way around. No, I, I think that's right. There's one sequence in the fourth quarter that really got my eyes up was LeBron and Wade were both basically in a two-guard front essentially and they had shooters around in the corners so LeBron tried to drive from the right wing and Dwayne Wade's guy gapped off of him and forced LeBron to pass it to Wade then that guy closed out because Wade wasn't going to shoot the three Wade then tried to drive past him LeBron's guy then gapped off of Wade and forced him to pass it back to LeBron LeBron passed up the shot tried to drive pass it back to Wade again after his guy gapped off him and Wade had to force up an impossible three-pointer and it was just a perfect encapsulation of how the lack of spacing on the team and Rose had another a nice game nine to 13 but didn't get to the foul line didn't shoot any three-point attempts you know even when he shoots nine to 13 he only had 19 points so he also is hurting his teammates when he doesn't have the ball in his hands he's had one assist tonight he's averaging like one and a half assists a game so the effect that all these guys are having and then just that they're not really playing the same way Kevin Love was not good in this one only four out of 12 just wasn't 
really that engaged in the offense either Jay Crowder couldn't hit a shot there just wasn't really anywhere that they could go other than just LeBron trying to go through to the rim and then when they didn't pack the paint against him he was able to score because he just they have no rim protection and there's they don't really have anyone his size to guard him but on other than that they didn't really have any kind of an offensive flow in this game and they haven't really all year on the opposite side of that I mean while they're not going to shoot 16 to 26 from three every game nobody is Indiana you know the way not only just in terms of the shots they were getting but the way their offense was moving it looked a lot more natural and we gave a little bit of credit to Frank Vogel I can't remember which podcast that was about how the Magic were playing a different style than we thought he was comfortable with I think we should give the same credit or similar credit into his former team yeah there was talk that they wanted to push the ball now remember with Nate McMillan he had played very slow ISO offenses which were good offenses many a time in Seattle and in Portland but they really have gotten up tempo this year easier to do that against the Cavs poorest transition defense but really and they played against the Nets who are another speeded up team but what really impressed me more than that and they were doing some basic stuff they just ran high pick and roll a lot with Oladipo over and over again in the fourth quarter and he was on fire but I think Sabonis has really impressed me as a center and everything we talked about the lack of flow for the Cavs everything really flows well for the Pacers when Sabonis is in there he's always moving the ball somewhere doing something making a quick decision knows where to throw it I mean there are a few plays that were instructive one was Oladipo was late in the shot clock and Sabonis ran up to set the screen for him and there's just going to be a boring pick and roll that probably would have led to a trap LeBron was on him and then Sabonis called for the ball Oladipo threw it to him and then Oladipo cut hard and really got up more speed than he could with the dribble got it right back for a dribble pitch and was able to elude LeBron and hit a three another time Sabonis was in the middle on a fast break the ball came to him from the left side and he just instantly found Darren Collison in the corner for a three and Collison was absolutely ridiculous in this game with 25 points on only 10 shot attempts from the field it hit all three of his three pointers and had eight assists so he was fantastic and as a role guy he makes great decisions he either goes to his floater game or he'll move it immediately to the weak side he'll find Thad Young working around on the baseline it's just the fact that he's always moving always moves the ball makes a quick decision and then you know you're not forcing him to post up now so he's the whole Zoolander thing which still exists by the way he only goes to his left hand isn't as much of a problem he can hit floaters in the lane he can catch it and finish especially against a team that doesn't have shot blockers like the Cavs and I really was just extremely impressed and then he's an excellent rebounder had six assists in this game as well this can kind of be a transition into the are they for real but something that intrigued me going through the stats on them is that Sabonis is allowing so a 47.4 percent field goal percentage on defended shots at the rim so far this year and that seems to me like a little bit of an outlier I don't think he's going to be that far into it and of course we're super young in the season seven games in but if he can stay anywhere close to that especially if he's a backup and so he'll be facing its worst worst people when miles turner gets back in there you can live with that defensively with him at center yeah the other guy who impressed me before we get in talking about them just overall here was oladipo just what he was able to do in high pick and roll he really showed the creativity off the dribble that has been lacking for him and then the five of seven on threes that he had he got going in the third quarter with a couple of defensive mistakes by cleveland that were crowder and jr smith crowder started the second half for tristan thompson after he suffered that calf injury just blew a switch and Oladipo was wide open for a three on the left wing and that seemed to get him going but he had one move where he off the pick and roll showed some great hesitation uh he's done a great job of finding Sabonis another thing Sabonis is great at is just knowing when to slip the screen and when to set the screen and he's always able to create a passing angle for even someone like Oladipo who's not been the greatest passer so far in his career they're always able to either find Sabonis or use his grab 
gravity and, and let Oladipo get to the rim. But he had a, a lot of nice plays just off the dribble, showing advanced moves, handling it. And while he's not a great passer to throw it to the weak side, he's able to just throw it to Sabonis and then let Sabonis move it along on kind of more of a short roll type of play. And as long as Oladipo's shot is going down, he's now scored over 20 points in six of his eight games as a pacer. You know, maybe he's going to, he and Sabonis are going to make that trade look better than we thought it was at the time. I'm not ready to jump on that bandwagon yet, but I think both of them have looked better than I thought they would look at any point this season so far. That's fair. And I wonder how they're going to use Sabonis when they get Miles Turner back. Because Turner is still absolutely the alpha and the omega in terms of the center position for them. I don't think, even though I've liked what they've gotten from Sabonis and how he's made their team better, it hasn't made you rethink Turner at all, has it? No, it hasn't. Although I do think that perhaps Sabonis is much less effective as a four. I mean, he really needs to be the guy who is getting the screen and doing the DHO's. Turner, not as mobile, not as good of a passer, not as good of a decision maker, not even really necessarily as good of a a finisher on the move going towards the basket. Now, Turner is excellent in pick and pop. And and of course, his defensive abilities are far superior to what we've seen from Sabonis. Although I think their rebounding may also be hurt. Actually, Sabonis is is a better rebounder on defensive glass than Turner. So Turner is a better player, better prospect, but it wouldn't shock me if there's an adjustment period now because everyone has really gotten so comfortable with Sabonis at 37 minutes tonight. Um, And we also would be remiss in not discussing Thaddeus Young, who is shooting the lights out right now, just looking very comfortable, taking so many more threes a game, four threes a game. And he had 26 tonight as well. And and like pretty much everyone on the Pacers uh, shot 50% or more three-point. Thaddeus Young has now had four consecutive games making at least two three-pointers. That's really impressive when you consider where he was even a few years ago to be at that level. And each of those games, he shot 40% or better from three. All right, we'll get to tonight's other game that we wanted to do and talk about some of these teams in a moment. Uh, But first, this from Stamps.com. Going to the post office could be such a drag. Lines are long, so he's out of the way. That's why Danny, who's been doing a ton of mailing stuff, you've been using Stamps.com quite a bit lately. I have been. When you write a book, when you start getting the physical copies, you get really excited at the beginning. It's like, oh my God, I wrote this and it's in front of you. But then you realize, oh, I have so many of these to send to people. And that is daunting for a couple different reasons. And I had actually never used stamps.com with any regularity before this. I was aware of it as a product, but you know, I, I I don't know. I I was always okay with the post office. I would go sporadically enough. And fortunately the ones around me aren't completely insane, but it's so much more convenient. I've, I, I became a convert on that first day when I was printing out labels from, from my computer and you can get or range a delivery, which is absolutely huge. So what be a pickup? pickup, Yeah. A range of pickup is, I did that just the other day actually as well. It's fantastic. So it, it takes the parts of the, uh, that are so, so much stressful, so much more stressful. And uh, what I've been using for the book project is media mail. You can do media mail for sending books like I'm doing, and it's a, it's cheaper. And you can do that through stamps.com and it's cheaper through stamps.com. Yeah. They bring all the services of the U S postal service right to your fingertips. They, as you mentioned, you can get discounts there that you can't even get at the post office. You too can enjoy stamps.com. If you have a business, especially you're probably going to use it even more than Danny and I do. They're offering a special deal, including a four week trial plus postage and a digital scale without long-term commitment. The way to get started with them, go to stamps.com, click on the microphone at the top of their homepage, type in my code CAPSPACE so that you let them know that you, you came from us. That's stamps.com. Enter that code CAPSPACE, which of course we talk about all the time on the program. It's even on the back of our t-shirt. Stamps.com. Never go to the post office again. So let's talk about Indiana here real quickly, just in general, whether they're going to be able to keep this up. And I, what I like to look at statistically about 
these teams. I mean, obviously, it's good to just look at how guys look better. I think actually by the eye test, maybe they look a little bit better than they do statistically with what Oladipo has done, what Sabonis has been able to do, Thad Young looking much more comfortable out there as well. But I mean, the first thing you want to look at is just, is their point differential way worse than their record? Are they just getting lucky in close games? It's a little early to be looking at that even. The other thing I like to look at is three-point shooting, right? And Ben Falk wrote a great article about the Magic, uh, which hit on some of the same themes in much greater detail, of course, that we talked about with the Magic a couple nights ago with their three-point shooting. And what he found is that basically at this point in the season, the percentage that you shoot from three and that your opponents shoot from three basically means absolutely nothing as far as what percentage you're going to shoot for the rest of the season. It really, you have to get a much larger sample size for players, for teams. That's really what's important there. So if you don't really have a history as a good three-point shooting team and you're shooting it really well, especially you have to expect that that's going to regress at least back to average, if not perhaps even more than that. And then defensively, if you're just getting lucky with a bunch of missed threes, you know, it's really much more important to look at just where the shots are being given up and, and how often as a predictor defensively in particular. Another thing you can look at is similar stuff on mid-range jump shots, right? Jump shots have a lot more variation than shots at the rim. If you think about it, shots at the rim are kind of more talent-based in some ways, less subject to, to luck, although you still can get lucky on those sorts of plays too. And then another thing I like to look at as well is if they're allowing very few points per possession in transition, teams don't really have that much control over the, the opposing team's points per possession in transition because generally if you're giving up a shot in the first seven seconds or so of the shot clock it's a good shot for the opponent and really again it's about taking away those opportunities like if they've found a shot that they can take you're not gonna be like oh yeah we're so good at stopping these transition layups once they get to the rim or so good at forcing them to miss transition threes it's more about just keeping them out of transition to begin with and so if teams are just at the bottom of the league in points per possession and transition you generally should expect that to just revert back to the league average um, wait can i give can so i give all, one example yeah. of that this sure, is pretty absolutely. amazing so the clippers right now according to cleaning the glass are giving up the highest proportion of opponents shots in, tr- in transition and the lowest points per play so when you look at that you go oh well that's going to be a problem potentially long term they're giving up less than a point per possession in transition so if you but opponents have 22.4 percent so that's like that's like the double warning sign so yeah, we're not gonna I, see I will caution too uh, on those though that they those numbers are a little fluky sure, especially with this course. new stat system that the nba has uh, where the timing on rebounds they're doing a good job of putting that in so it's kind of hard to calculate that but you also can look at the play type numbers from synergy which are on nba.com which we cross-reference with and those are actually logged by humans as to whether it's transition or not usually a slightly higher percentage of transition is logged just by the stat sheet as opposed to like the human saying what transition is and you can always have a different approach there as far as what you think is transition what you don't i mean the whole fast break points the nba i think is way too stingy in determining what a fast break point is compared to what we would kind of think of as transition where basically the fact that you got beat down the court quickly could even lead you know two or three passes later to a shot at least in my opinion you still say hey the root cause of this was you know the fact that it started off in transition so with all that in mind let's talk about indiana first here uh, they have a top five offense and mostly that is through shooting the ball extremely well uh, they are 19th in defense and 22nd in field goal defense so it's not like they're getting lucky there but they haven't been particularly unlucky either i mean i would expect with this defensive personnel maybe when turner comes back he can make a difference but especially with their wing guys sabonis is not really a good defender if he's going to play some center as well 
so don't expect their defense to get much better they really have some guys who are shooting lights out right now and that's uh maybe an indication that they could be due for somewhat of a regression off yeah i mean victor oladipo is 21 of 42 from three that's a pretty good pretty you know ridiculous number Corey joseph 11 of 19 and something else that's fascinating with them is that they're shooting 35 percent from three but the proportion of their shots that are coming from distance is actually on the lower side of the nba yeah and by the way some of these stats are from before they lit it up to the tune of that 16 of 26 today but yeah i mean they're not taking a ton of threes um they are sixth in field goal attempts at the rim and they are pretty decent on the offensive glass pretty decent avoiding turns are right around 10th uh in getting to the foul line as well so those factors are there it's just a question of whether the shooting is going to keep up to quite this level and i don't expect it that it will i mean it's really how turner is going to affect things whether oladipo whether sabonis can keep that up as they become more of a focus darren collison is having a wonderful start to the season as well joseph shooting far above his career norm also young shooting above his career norms i mean you just it's hard to imagine that all of these guys can keep playing so much better that there's something magic in the water that they're suddenly going to be this good but maybe playing at a faster pace is part of that and they've banked a few wins here as well and they've beaten a couple of good teams what would you when we anything else that we wanted to say is just kind of data here before we maybe revise our prediction for what we thought they were going to be no not really i think i think that's all we really i mean especially because we talked about their game today so we can kind of roll from there do you want me to start okay so well no so yeah what what was your preseason prediction for the indiana preseason? i don't remember exactly but i think i remember i was more optimistic on them than you i think it was like low 30s i think i was like 33 yeah. or something like that i think you actually as i recall went over on them i did I went under you're you're certainly looking better there for my part oh yeah we did this their podcast together so you had 33 wins i had 31 would you like to revise that prediction at all based on what is her it could go up to like 35 36 i mean they could be better than that currently 538 has them projected to go 41 and 41 but i think that's a little bit too rosy and then you also have to assume you know injury if they have had you know miles turner of course but you have to assume that that'll hit them just like it'll hit anybody else so you just add a little bit of caution to it because you're not going to get better due to in you know unless you're sterling healthy and everybody else is hurt yeah i mean simply the fact that they've started five and three and you would expect them to have gone two and six or three and five based on what we thought their record to be you know you probably got to add a couple of wins to the ledger just based on that yeah i mean i think i could bump them up to 36 or 37 wins and if they keep this going for another two weeks then you know i think i'll seriously revise my prediction but um yeah i, I think like so many of these guys are just so far over their previous norms that eight games just isn't quite enough for me to, to say hey you know these this is the new level for these guys i like to think about this not necessarily in terms of wins but in terms of tiers and i do think that they've moved to me into that like serious potential to make the playoff kind of kind of an area like they're not anywhere close to the lock area yet you know they're probably five six or so teams in that range but they have moved into the area where like it wouldn't surprise me if they could make the playoffs this year especially with teams like the sixers you know scuttling a little bit they did win again today but you know like i, I wouldn't be i wouldn't be for it like if we were if if somebody were to come back and say hey the Pacers made the playoffs I'd be like okay you know that's that's good for them not completely ridiculous yeah and I think we did say hey maybe this team could be you know the 10th best team in the east so and and the east not looking too pathetic actually a winning record against the western conference so far let's talk about this Orlando uh, Memphis game I didn't see any of it so I will let you take it away and maybe I'll ask you some questions what I focused on in this one because we're watching it after the fact was the fourth quarter because it was weird to watch this game knowing what happened 
question because you're sitting there going, how can Memphis be this competitive without Mike Conley being in the game? He did not play due to the Achilles injury, which freaked us out on the last episode of Dunked On. He did ended up not playing. Mario Chalmers played in his stead. And the guy who was the star for their for their offense, other than Marcus Ola had some really nice plays, including a huge bucket late, was Tyreek Evans. Evans was able to get to the basket regularly, which is such an important part of his game. And their defense was, you know, it was stout. It wasn't wasn't perfect. There were some plays down the stretch where Orlando just messed up. And one of the other big stories in this game was Orlando just kicking the ball all over the place. They had 24 turnovers in this game, which allowed Memphis to shoot the ball seven more times. And that ended up being a part of this game, but Orlando still ended up winning. The big shot overall was Aaron Gordon. So I, I talked about how their offense it looked disjointed for most of the fourth quarter. I think that it did, but they got a nice drive for Evan Fournier and Gasol was on Aaron Gordon. Gasol went to the rim to help out and Gordon just buried a corner three, which put Orlando up. And while Memphis got two chances to take the lead and probably win the game, they missed both of those. And so Orlando came away with another nice victory. Yeah, this is an interesting matchup. Orlando has been outstanding in transition so far. Memphis, one of the best teams at preventing transition opportunities. Who won that battle in this? I think that overall Memphis, I think Memphis did a good job of controlling that when you saw there were some opportunities for them to for Orlando to drive but it, it definitely wasn't the feast that they've had in some of their other games this year even going back to I think that was the game against Cleveland where they just got a bunch of opportunities in transition yeah getting back to Evan it looked like he basically was four or six from three which you don't expect to continue for him didn't really get to the foul at all but took a ton of shots at the rim and, and I would imagine a big part of his success like he's always been able to get to the rim even through all the injuries but he just can't make layups but Orlando is a nice panacea with uh, Nikola Vucevic in there for making a lot of layups. You have to imagine that that was a big part of it. Here. It was. And one of the stats, because I, I compiled the stuff for Is Memphis for Real, was that Tyreek Evans before this game was in the 95th percentile in terms of the relative to his position, relative to the proportion of shots at the rim, but he was only making 45% there. So the, yeah, that is a big concern. And it is substantially easier to do that against Orlando than other teams. So it was a, a linchpin for their offense in this game without Mike Conley there. And something else that was weird to me was just that at the, at the very end of the game, they brought Chalmers back in and they went away from Tyreek. And it was it was strange to me because I'd been watching, you know, I didn't have the full context of the game, but I had the full context of that quarter. And that was where they were getting their offense. It wasn't like Orlando changed the personnel. So you thought Tyreek wasn't going to get there. They were just relying on Chalmers and Chalmers wasn't getting as much. And Chalmers actually, I thought on the second to last possession, botched it. And he just he had an open three and he took it, but he's still not the greatest three point shooter. And they weren't behind by three. It wasn't a circumstance where that's exactly what they needed. I thought they could have fought for something better. Oh, I can't comment on that one because I, I didn't see the shot. But what I can comment on is enjoy, savor this moment, Memphis fans. Andrew Harrison actually shot 50% in this game. It was four of eight field. Yeah, I mean, you have a bunch of these just kind of players on Memphis and you're just kind of seeing what they do. Dylan Brooks played 37 minutes off the bench. Like that's 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 like kind of the reverse Bogans, I guess. And he looked, he looked good out there in the in the fourth quarter he had a couple nice cuts he had one big corner three and the hope is that they won't have to rely on him as heavily as they have he has had some nice good performances but really what memphis is looking for long term is just having a bunch of these options you know getting more from selden so maybe and but i think the the player who could actually they could benefit from excising as you said is is harrison i think that swapping him out for selden and macklemore could end up being really helpful for them yeah and we'll see too i mean chalmers has really struggled field so far but that said, Memphis really 
really has been winning on the strength of dominating bench performances so far this year and frankly I, I gotta say I mean it's not like these guys are like world beaters you know and, and they have long struggled with their bench units so I, I'm not ready to say that like this 13.5 bench net rating is necessarily going to continue or that 90.1 defensive rating for their bench yeah I don't exactly expect that to continue yeah so we mentioned that they're really good at getting back indeed that's long been something that they've been really good at especially because mark now doesn't spend as much time near the rim he's not really an offensive rebounder he can get back and i've always felt that getting your bigs back is one of the keys to, to transition defense um well that gets into something that i think yeah. is really the centerpiece of their success so far this year they're fourth in defense 22nd in offense is that they're number two in terms of the opponent proportion of possessions in the half court and that's huge for them because their half court defense has been great they're fourth in opponent points per possession there so they're forcing the team to the, the other team to play in the in an area that they're very comfortable with but it is worth noting that albeit with different personnel to a degree last year they were kind of middle of the road in terms of the, the proportion element of this some of that you could say is attributable to not having Zebo on their team this year and you know they're they're younger and more athletic broadly on the perimeter I mean Ennis playing more I think has definitely been a good thing and it's not like Vince was bad defensively last year but you have a little bit more there and so if you're if one of your kind of scheme goals is to to get back a little bit more than they they certainly have personnel that can handle that another worry for them is the fact that they're giving up a lot of threes and opponents just aren't shooting a good percentage on it the fact that they're giving up a lot of threes is much more worrisome to me than the percentage obviously as we talked about would basically mean nothing at this point of the year oh yeah there are a ton of warning signs in terms of the shots that opponents are getting against them so basically they're not forcing many shots in the mid-range they're in the bottom 10 and forcing a proportion of the mid-range and they're in the in the top 10 in terms of allowing three-pointers and so that's usually a really a really rough way to go at it they're doing a decent job of, of preventing shots at the rim and then they've been absolutely great in terms of field goal percentage at the rim and th- that's something where you know they're, they're allowing 55 percent there i don't expect that to continue but i do think that they can be towards the top of the league especially if they have gasol and brandon Wright healthy however 55 percent might be a little bit rich for them yeah uh, i think that's right also i want to look to at their turnovers they forced 24 of those today and they are in fact fifth in the league forcing opponent turnovers on 17.7 percent of their possession so i will allow you to revise your prediction as i will do with mine i predicted 42 wins for the grizz and a playoff appearance although i again had them right in the same range as utah the clippers and portland i'm gonna actually stick pretty close to that i think i would go with maybe 43 or 44 not more than that especially because this conley achilles stuff is concerning you had i think the under on their 37 and a half wins am i correct on that yeah i actually had them at 37 so i was really close to that but did have the under i thought you know with injuries and Connolly gasol and one actually interesting element of this just before we get into all of it is that memphis first of all their starters haven't been dominant their starter net rating is middle of the pack but they've actually and i think this is just related to how they've been playing them Connolly and gasol together only have a plus 0.9 net rating so they've only outscored opponents by about 1.5 possessions and so that's a little bit concerning just because the bench play if that doesn't continue if they're not being buttressed by that then that's going to be a big concern so i said 37 i will revise it up but i'm not going to revise it up much i'm going to go with like maybe 38 or 39 wow okay so you still would would say they're not going to make playoffs um yeah you mentioned the starters I and mean, they're starting two replacement level guys pretty much all year Jarrell martin and andrew harris yes that's true 
you know so that that's a big reason i think why uh they've had some struggles as a starting unit and why conley and soul together who often play with those starters have not been as effective they just don't have threats around them how about orlando uh we've talked a lot about them to expand on that a little bit though i mean they're shooting and again i mean didn't cool off tonight 13 out of 29 that's 44.8 percent and they're shooting right around that number for the season but i said just looking at their offense the other day just doing some quick and dirty math live on the show that essentially this is a good way to think about it you know just with the average nba team probably taking around 33s a game every three percentage points in three point percentage is worth about three points essentially so if they're shooting six percent better than the average or what you might expect them to that's about six points per game essentially that they're getting and then you look on defense and they're basically opponents are shooting in the low 30s so maybe six points worse than would be expected so that's almost 12 points a game that they are getting just from what we might look at as aberrant three-point percentage from what could be expected going forward so the so the real challenge with them is not necessarily will they be able to contain sustain this i think the answer to that we would both agree is no is just how close is it and that gets into the questions of just like how much of aaron gordon's performance so far has been real evan fournier i think is at a nice start of the season vooch has been this has been his best year as a pro at least that i can remember so you kind of have to reconcile all of that and the idea of that you know like are they going to be as reliable getting back in transition i think they can actually do okay there yeah they are six and two i mean if you just look at the very surface uh, their net rating in non-garbage time which uh, fall calculates plus 9.4 they've beaten some good teams memphis and now among them the spurs uh, they really throttled so but if they have a plus 9.4 net rating and 12 points of that net rating is basically due to luck so far you know where exactly does that leave you um also a concern is just they are a horrendous rebounding team uh, 29th on both ends in rebounding and again on defense you know sixth in e field goal percentage defense they do force a lot of turnovers which is helping their transition game but you know they're not really getting shots at the rim on offense they do at least get to the foul line at a somewhat average rate so i guess now same question here i this is one where i think i actually convinced you to go lower right because we forgot that their point differential was so much worse last year i think it was only a 24 win point differential and then i actually predicted more wins than you did (laughs) i had 31 for them and you had 29 after i convinced you to do that well that's interesting because i my own records i think i might have changed that after our podcast and moved it up because my records have it at 33 okay maybe or i may have just put it in yeah either way but so i'll I'll use my 33 because i think that's probably about where i was feeling at that i'm not willing to go as crazy as 538 is right now 538 has them at 48 wins right now but i'll say 38 and i could easily see it being 43 you know like they could be anywhere in that range and i wouldn't wouldn't be surprised we have to see if this if this can persist but as you said the luck element and you know banking six wins and playing the bulls on friday that you know that's probably going to be banking a seventh win i think they they have a shot to do this and what's going to be a definitive stretch for them at least in the near term is they have two four game road trips before the end of this month and so if they can go 500 on those a lot of a lot of good teams on those trips they can go even 500 then i'm going to be ready to say they're a playoff team hilariously we both predicted their best case scenario as 38 wins it shows you how completely useless those predictions are perhaps okay we got a couple more teams we need to get to here but first this from pro flowers they have the perfect gift for anyone excited about fall a long-lasting bouquet in their favorite fall colors in fact in our new place we have one sitting as a centerpiece on our new kitchen table 
table right now looks great it's we moved in five days ago looks as good as new they give you all these instructions about exactly how to keep it fresh they give you a little packet of plant food they tell you all right this is when you cut off the stems freshen it up so if you're like me and you have no idea how flowers work i mean i'm normally one of those like evil cartoon characters where like if i just touch a pair of flowers or or a set of flowers they basically just like go dead immediately that's i've whatever the opposite of a green thumb is but it's easy enough even for me to keep them fresh because if you get flowers for your significant other they don't want to have to be responsible for keeping them fresh that's your job and pro flowers makes it really easy to do that their best-selling cinnamon cider roses the ones that we have sitting on our table right now are a great option for a birthday and anniversary any fall occasion or go with one of the classics like 100 autumn blooms or a dozen autumn roses you can't lose because no matter which bouquet you send my listeners can get 20 percent off of any of pro flowers unique bouquets 29 dollars or more they are guaranteed to stay fresh for at least seven days and they're well on their way to doing that for me i've gotten them previously they've fulfilled that guarantee as well so the way to get started with them 20 percent off all bouquets of 29 dollars or more go to proflowers.com use my code capspace at checkout easy to remember of course it's on our t-shirts proflowers.com promo code capspace don't wait to make someone's day all right who else we got here let's talk a little bit about the detroit pistons i don't think we need to go into as much depth with them their their trademark stretch so far was those wins on the road on back-to-back nights in la against the clippers and then in oakland against the warriors and they have a 1.9 net rating which is 14 that's you know they're doing a nice job there but the big question for me is just whether they will be able to sustain their offense even though their offense hasn't been particularly dominant yeah they are the 16th best offense but one of their fundamentals is awful they never ever ever get to the foul line amazing for a team that once had andre drummond getting intentionally fouled now he's not even getting intentionally fouled he's hitting more free throws but he doesn't play with any force at all really at this point which is a disappointment you thought when he was drafted he could be one of these guys who would sprint down the floor and transition get his butt into guys get a hard seal and force you to follow him and really i think perhaps he was always a guy who kind of fancied himself more of a skill player anyway but didn't really have any skills and his post-up game has always been more finesse despite not really having that much finesse and then i'm sure this thing about not wanting to get fouled really reduced his physicality as well still remains a wonderful rebounder of course but he doesn't get to the line no one else on this team really does either and then they while overall from three they haven't shot it that well a couple of guys tobias harris shooting 44 percent on threes he's looked a lot better he's and he improves his three-pointer every year so i'm not going to say that none of that's real but he's not going to shoot 44 percent and then langston galloway shooting 50 percent on threes and 57 percent from the field he's always been one of these guys who's like a good bet to shoot better from three than two which means you're not shooting very good from two and galloway's performance anthony tolliver although he's not shooting some amazing percentage they've gotten some big runs with him in there and so their bench net rating is one of the best in the league their starters not quite as good they do at least avoid making mistakes offensively their third in turnover avoidance and that's an underrated way if you're a bad offense to at least a help your defense out by not giving up fast breaks and b just making sure you get a shot up every single time and they're pretty average on the offensive glass i agree with you this doesn't really feel like a top half of the league offense to me well when you look at the what shots they're getting especially relative to the league it's just a slew of red flags so they're shooting more mid-range shots than most teams they're in the top top 10 eighth in frequency there they're 25th in shots at the rim so not only are they failing to get to the free throw line they're also not making those shots they're also not shooting those and just not getting fouled they're they're not doing either one of those and then they're 
you know, right around the middle of the pack in terms of three proportions. So when you look at that and you see a team that is still think they're around league average in terms of effective field goal percentage right now, that's a big concern because it's hard to, you know, to, to kind of break some of those walls to build efficient offense. Actually, they're 20th in effective field goal percentage offense right now. So to me, that looks like a warning sign in terms of how they're how they're going to be on that end. But defensively, they've been sound and I, I could see them actually being a little bit better on that end than they've been so far. Yeah. And Avery Bradley, despite the fact that we've been higher on KCP than some, uh, Avery Bradley has looked better defensively, perhaps a more reliable shooter, if not a more frequent shooter than KCP as well. And, you know, I think they can have a, a pretty solid defense on this team. Stan is a pretty good defensive coach. So, you know, I think they're going to settle in kind of around where we thought. I think I had them with 39 wins. You know, I might revise that upward a game or two just because of the nice wins that they have banked so far. And I was very impressed with their defense. I mean, the Warriors were like, oh man, we had so many turnovers. We're so careless, blah, 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 in that game that they lost to the Pistons. But like the Pistons created a lot of those, their pressure. They're blitzing pick and rolls hard. They're bringing another guy up, old school Miami Heat style and intercepting passes. And Avery Bradley, of course, uh, has always been a thorn in the side of some of those Warriors guards. So they ha- do have more activity. You know, I-, I think they're looking like a playoff team. I don't think they're looking like a team that's going to get to, you know, 50 wins necessarily, or maybe even 45. But, you know, I mean, I, I would say maybe 40, 41, just because of the wins they've banked. But they're kind of right on track with where I thought they'd be. And it was good to see at least that Reggie Jackson looks like, you know, a real NBA point guard again. He does. And that's an important element of their team moving forward because if they have productive minutes or at least largely productive minutes from him and from Ish Smith, then that gives them a base offensively to at least reach the level that they need to with their defense. Something else that I like about what the Pistons have done so far is that they only have one what I would consider a bad loss so far because their other ones were that close game against Washington early in the year, which I think we both watched, and then they lost to the Sixers once. But the the problem is that their bad loss was their most recent game. It was when they got housed by the Lakers in one that reminded me, because that was the only game on in its time slot, of just kind of what their offense can be when it's when it's not getting this reliability. They only shot three free throws in that entire game. They were shot 30% from three. And so you, they will have those stinker nights. It, it, it's kind of like maybe some of those Memphis teams in that way where they could maybe eventually have a, a misleading point differential just because they'll have some of those bad games. But yeah, so I said 38, I'll go to 40, but I'm not sure, you know, like I in a week or two, I could totally be seeing myself say, I believe in the magic more than I believe in them. Yeah, that wouldn't shock me. The magic certainly seem to have more upside than this Pistons squad. Boston, we mentioned they're six and one since opening night, six and two overall. Coming into tonight, 10.4 net rating in non-garbage time. That is second in the NBA. It has been nearly entirely on the strength of the number one defense in the NBA. Long, a punching bag for other teams on the defensive glass. They are seventh in defensive rebound percentage. That is great progress for them. But most of what has contributed to this number one defense is opponents missing shots. And that is always a, a massive concern. I mean, so they are in, and in, in many ways you don't want. Well, well mi- missing shots at a rate less than you would, uh, or more than you would expect uh, from certain areas is really, I think, uh, more what it is. I mean, obviously the, the name of the game is to make opponents miss shots, but usually what you do is you force them to take more shots from areas where it's tougher to hit shots. And they are doing some of that. I mean, they're allowing only 27% of their opponent's shots are coming from three, but only 31% of those are going in. So you have a positive and a negative running together. The big concern for me is their defensive rebounding has been good, but they teams have been getting shots at the rim a lot against them. 36.3% is a lot of them, and they're middle of the road in terms of slowing those down. That's something that could become a bigger problem 
bigger problem. And they've been good over the last couple of years, not as good last year as other ones in terms of forcing turnovers. But I, I just I'm a little bit concerned that the the foul rate could come back to bite them. Just a couple of different things when you when you're giving up that many shots at the rim, it feels like it, it's not a house of cards because I think their other fundamentals are strong. But that it, it it's the type of thing that could get a little bit worse as this moves on, especially if teams start making closer to league average from three. Yeah, and it mentioned too that they're allowing a lot of shots at the rim. Uh, they're also allowing very few points per possession in transition. Not allowing a ton of transition chances necessarily, but when teams do get out in transition, they are scoring extremely poorly. That could be liable to regress. I will say though, certainly never thought that Kyrie Irving would ever have a 92.6 defensive rating for like any six game stretch of his career or eight game stretch. And I should we, say. we talked about this a little bit before the season, but I think it's been actualized even earlier than I anticipated of the idea that his weaknesses defensively are something that Boston is actually better equipped to handle because now that they have all these different forwards that are about the same size, they can switch so much and that's kind of what they want to do anyway. So it's not like Cleveland where they would get forced into these bad situations because Boston's personnel just fits that better. Yeah, that's right. And also they just have a a better culture in terms of their coaching, I think, which is crazy to think about. Uh, Al Horford is certainly a a solid leader and teammate, but I I do think that some of Cleveland's struggles, and we'll of course talk about them when we do Time to Panic, some of Cleveland's struggles are due to not really having the defensive culture. And frankly, I mean, I don't know how much you want to say that this was David Black, because certainly all the reporting on the ground there was, you know, no one was listening to him. And maybe it was just the fact that Lou plays more offensive guys and Blatt maybe defaulted towards more playing a two bigs and more defensive guys. But like Cleveland actually defended under David Blatt. And ever since Lou took over, they have really had pretty bad defense with the exception of that 2016 final series. On the offensive end, Jason Tatum is shooting about three threes a game and making 50% of those. I do not expect that to continue. Jalen Brown's up to 41% this year. I, you know, those two will probably tone down, but they have a lot of other guys that, you know, that are towards the bottom end. Smart's at 28. You'd love to see that a little higher, though it's not like it has been early in his career. And then Kyrie and Rozier are more in the mid 30s. All right. Anything else you want to add here or shall we uh, pack it in? I think that's about it. All right. Thanks so much for listening. Don't forget about our sponsor, Pro Flowers. Use that cap space code to get 20% off all bouquets of $29 or more at proflowers.com. And we'll be back to conclude the week tomorrow evening. Also, hoping 95% sure as long as DirecTV keeps their appointment is actually able to install my service tomorrow that we will have the Twitter NBA show as well. So be sure to check that out via my Twitter feed at Nate Duncan NBA. Talk to you all tomorrow. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car. It's the two-door coupe that was there for your first drive. The hatchback that took you cross-country and back. And the minivan that tackles the weekly carpool. For the cars you couldn't live without, trust Amica Auto Insurance. Amica. Empathy is our best policy.